Welcome to the Dark Nexus podcast. Today, chapter 52 signifies a different kind of turning point for us. We have been broadcasting the Dark Nexus podcast for a year. That's right. If you've been with us for the beginning, we've spent a year together telling this story, and we've got many years worth of story to come. We're thrilled that you've been with us, and we're super excited that this has been going for this long, uh, and it looks like we'll be together, despite the fact that sometimes characters don't make it. Today, I'm asking that if you have been a follower of the podcast for that long, that you share it with someone new this week. Tell someone, hey, I've been listening to this podcast for this past year, and everyone should be listening to it, because everyone should, frankly. I mean, if you don't help spread the name Jamandor, who will? Welcome back to Dark Nexus. Tonight, it's Act 2, Chapter 52. Okay, last several sessions were very heavy, but I am glad that we took time to, uh, to take time with all the stuff that we did. Uh, that said, though, I am glad to be with you all here today and to dive back into the playing the game part of what we're doing here, <laughs> instead of just weeping and feeling emotions. Uh, so it's late <laughs> afternoon, on the 6th of Neth, was this day 14, Katie? Is it right? is. Uh, let's call it 4 o'clock. We didn't get to bed until close to 1. We shared some dreams with Shamador, 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 Shamador. And then we spent the late morning, early afternoon, as the storm was passing over town, doing some therapy and some feet retraining below decks in the cell in Starling. And as the storm finally passed over and the town of Thrushmore got groggily to its feet after a rough night, uh, there began to be some movement on the streets, though noticeably even less than yesterday, which is already down from the day before. Allard from the Sleepless Agency is uh, on the ship now. He's the, the very tall blonde guy of the gaggle of Cassadia's employees, the one that seems like he's probably the go-to tough amongst that group. As you can imagine, wildly hungover. He escorted Centilar Rui over so the chemist could look after Loic and the kids and the other folks that need some meds. I don't think we've met Rui in person yet. He's another halfling. Very, I picture him as a very old school, Tolkien-esque, hobbit-looking dude. Nice. Like, not quite elderly, but past middle age, curly gray hair, long curly silver sideburns, huge beer belly, velvet vest like bursting over his belly, and a velvet <laughs> tailcoat. Very dignified guy, but uh, a really gentle manner with his, and, with his and, patience. And no shoes with just a little bit of tufts of hair he'd, on his feet. You'd have to have, yes, absolutely. Barefoot <laughs> and hairy-footed. Hairy uh, and he's he's dealing with uh, with, with Loic and the, and the kids. Everyone must be seen too, and they'll be seen too in good time, I assure you. I assure you, he's smoking a pipe, of course. Oh, um, that's, that's really healthy down below decks. Yes. No. Allard <laughs> is able to fill you in a little bit on the town's perspective of what happened last night, and it might be a little bit surprising. Uh, it's hard to pin down exactly where the boundaries were, like whether it was 
inside a triangle made by the standing stones or kind of like a, a circle created by their arcs. But most people in town, and of course you were just outside of uh, the boundaries of town, most people actually blacked out and lost time during the phenomenon that you witnessed. In fact, many didn't even wake up until past midday, which might also explain why uh, the town's a bit sluggish in getting moving today. The folks on the ship had to actually inform Allard about what they saw last night. It was probably Lin and Din that formed him. And he, he also tells you that the uh, that freaky little artist bloke uh, told us about that the, the, the heap of corpses y'all left in the street. We got them all moved inside the chapel for now, so they won't disturb anyone, but they're in there for today if you, if you still... Uh, need them for anything. <laughs> so you got a you got a lot of options uh, for what you can do today. And I want to I want to actually take a little bit of time here to, to talk through them and talk through some other stuff. There's a lot that happened while we were all reeling from Ray's death and this uh, our second incredibly long combat day of the campaign. So let's let's talk through some of this stuff both as players, characters. You've got all the NPCs and the backup characters on the Starling here, if you want to include any of them. I've also got Allard here in case you want to get like the Sleepless Agency's perspective on anything or pass along any instructions to them and so forth. Got a little list I want to um, bring up here, but obviously throw anything else in that you want. There's, there's three things on the top of my list, and they're all connected in one way or another. So I want to throw them on the table for you all to start working through uh, in whatever order you want. Number one... I'm interested to hear you talk through your understanding of this aborted or disrupted, however you want to think about it, this ritual that was going on. What do you believe happened or almost happened? Who do you think is doing it? Who do you think is running the show here? What, like, who's the danger? Like, what your current sense of the stakes for the town are? The second thing is, I'm interested in hearing you talk about what went down in part one of chapter 50, specifically the way those assassins were appearing, how they appeared, the specific behaviors they had, and what conclusions you might be drawing from all of that. Third, we had two psychometry visions last time. Both were pretty simple on their surface and even a bit similar, but there was uh, there was information embedded in those very simple conversations, and I, I want to make sure that things aren't getting lost in the shuffle as we were all crying and uh, dealing with Ray. Because <laughs> uh, both of those scenes seem to have happened only a matter of weeks ago. So those are the things I want to throw on the table. And I'm, I'm interested in, again, hearing you all talk through what you understand. I'm here to answer any questions. And I'm, of course, going to be poking and probing just so I can kind of know where you're at and what you think is going on and what you want to do about it. I, I, grip is, uh, you know, I'm trying to it's actually easy because I, in this moment, I feel in tune with Grip in terms of what he understands and what Robert understands seem to be lining up, which is not much. Uh, don't understand much. He he knows that he has this connection to the fort that that there's this like his his lieutenant is apparently running things, so there's a he's drawn to that, but he also can tell that none of that shit matters. Like, he knows that there is something bigger happening that is so far beyond his grasp. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't... So, like, he has this inclination to, like, well, we should go to the fort because I need to figure out what the fuck's going on in the town. But 
ultimately the town it's all a blip and like like he's he's starting to wrap his head around the smallness of the here and now versus I mean and that feeds into the the assassins yeah and who's calling the shots he just you know we he he we killed the guy that were that was calling the shots in act one <laughs> and he could wrap his head around that like we were enclosed in this this place and he was kind of keeping you there essentially yeah. right and yeah. so we get out we have to get out and and so now he's he doesn't he i on grip does honestly not know what to do next and robert uh thinks iris hill metagaming wise is probably an end game type of place <laughs> so i don't know if i want to go there right now but um well let me ask you a question then yeah so so you brought up Grip has this existing connection to uh, Fort Hill course and his lieutenant Berwin mm-hmm. Kessel who seems to be uh, holed up in there. Who else does Grip know is also inside the fort? I don't I, I, Great. Can I it, don't can know. It, anyone else remember? No. Uh, the scum are inside yeah. the fort. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, that's what I and this is something we were talking about on the way here today. Yeah. It's like there was, there was a connection to the scum and the fort how that relates to the harvest, I don't know. Now that the harvest has failed, as far as we know, um, so maybe that is maybe that is a, a, a like a, a, a reason to maybe put the fort high on our list of where to go next. I certainly think before tonight, there may not have been too much reason to think anything. Like to to, there may have been reason to reasonably believe the scum are something the town is dealing with. Also, other stuff. But well, as of last but night, but once it's like the great harvest, you're like, oh no, no, the whatever it is, uh, uh, Ariadne, is in cahoots with the scum to create this ritual to transport this town interchangeably with Carcosa. And somehow the scum are a piece of this, yes. as evidenced by last night. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that that might be the thing that Grip might latch onto based on having lived through it. Of like. Yes, the, the fort may have seemed like a side quest at one point, but I, I would say it might not seem so much like a side quest at this moment, yeah. knowing that that's one of their bases of operation. And just to interject for Dabwick's sake, because all of the um, nuances of relationships and locations within the town and uh, what it means for all of you is really different. <laughs> so, so I think Dabwick would be along the same lines. Like, if you know that there's other scum elsewhere, I know the scum attacked us and if attack you personally attack yeah. me personally yeah. attacked my people um and you're gonna go kill more scum that are connected to this other thing that's happening with the city i'm on board the rest of like what's happening on the iris hill i don't have a connection to yeah sure, right right, sure. right but if i clean out the scum that will help protect this city yes right. yes right maybe yeah cure the city of some of some of, of the, the scum yeah the, the scum that's infected <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah scum infection the people who were surrounding the Stella on Gladiolus Hill, yeah. was that people or was it scum? Um, so there were many of them, probably mm-hmm. more than a dozen. There may have been scum in and amongst them, but you weren't noticing the preponderance of them being hunchbacked and like loping along. They seem to be people. So there are people involved in the Great Harvest as well. That, Yes. What is the connection, in, from what we know so far, mm-hmm. if there is one, between the Great Harvest and Jamandur? <laughs> Don't ask Dabwick. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> she will definitely not ask Dabwick. 
you so based on the, the information great harvest sounds like what Jamindor's endgame is yeah um, but I had attached it to the scum that we fought in the house uh-huh. are we able to make a like religion there... knowledge religion check on that we have made checks on Jamindor and the great harvest okay they were made by Ray I will say this one of the things that Ray would have shared in his downloading of information about Jamindor, mm-hmm. um, I don't remember if I specific, I, th- I probably did say this, but basically, you know, Jamindor is deeply connected to Haster and Carcosa. Mm-hmm. Yep. One of Jamindor's reasons for being is to drag people and worlds to Carcosa. You would not think of Jamindor being the only means that Haster and or, and or Carcosa have of bringing things and stuff there. That Jamindor may be one tool among many. Mm. So I don't think you would connect Jamindor specifically with the scum. You might start to go like, huh, okay. Uh, uh, there's, there's no- What's clear is that Haster has its sights on this world. Yep. And whatever the fuck it takes to get us there, he will make take advantage of. I think that's a very reasonable conclusion to be coming to. I mean, the the one thing the one thing that Roni is thinking is that there can't be too many people infected with Jamandor because if there were, it would be too like it, if if there were, especially if there were people that were in power, all they'd have to do is walk around the town shouting, you know, just yeah. whispering it in someone's ear, walk by and be like, "It's a good day today, Jamandor." Hey, how you doing, Jam? Like literally yep. You know, you could do that, and the whole town would be infected very quickly. Yeah, yeah. I feel like if there was something like that, it's either not here anymore. And or like, it was are there us. are there witting accomplices to that? You know, like we we know it is with us, and we are like we're we don't want to say it, and we suspect but that there, it used to be with us. But are there people that have that knowledge? But that that want to propagate it, like, is that a thing? And how well, do you? Jane. Yeah. Jane. Yeah. Who was clearly insane. Yeah. 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 The the information that you had and the information you you sort of gleaned from that first dream you shared with Jamindor is like this line of how much to spread the infection seems to be one that this cult can, deals with on every world that. Kind of like you're saying, Johnny, like, if you get to the point where you have enough people infected, you win. But if if you start if you start too rapidly and enough people can get everybody who knows this killed, then they're just like, then it's just over. Everybody gets wiped out. Exactly. So I think that the cult those that aren't insane or maybe Jane maybe Jane was simply doing exactly what those cult members do, which is in an isolated cer- yeah. situation yeah. where she knows it would cause a great deal of harm, but would not result in a shitstorm of public attention, start to spread the seed. Or or thinks like, oh, I'm about to get killed. Exactly. <laughs> if yes. I'm about to get killed, the last thing I, I'm going to at least replace me. And you also, you know, the conversation with Jane before the fight started between Jane and Roni was uh, pretty short, but it was also clear that uh, you had known each other before all this, yep. and she seemed surprised that you were behaving differently. So yep. maybe she just thought she was reminding you of what you already knew. Yeah, which is, mm. I think we think that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we think yeah. that we were already in on it. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say the attacks by the assassins, I think there was like two groups. I think there was Reese, 
and then I think those other three, I don't know that those other three and Reese were necessarily connected. They might have been oh, connected. But they did stall the number, the amount of time that she needed to execute that attack. They did. And they all, they all were, if this got lost in the shuffle, I'll just bring this up, all of them were not only not only had holy symbols of Haster, the, the yellow sign. So she had the all, symbol too. All of them were wearing them openly and all of them that the the ones that came out of the walls out of the murals were clutching them hmm. Reese also had one had it openly displayed okay. i think Roni would uh, even uh, if even at that moment it felt like two different things i think Roni would would so put then that so then she was like the head of the hit squad okay yeah yeah the okay. different thing was the eldritch projection i think yeah th- yeah th- that may have been the wild card in yeah. what happened in it that felt scenario. like Reese and the projection were in cahoots because they arrived at the same time but but no I think Reese was invisibly waiting for um, the others to distract us long enough that she could kill Ray and you would also process because you your your characters were on the street that night everybody was in their houses and locked up and the only place where noise was going on was like it may uh, the countess may have been drawn to the noise Mm. like like the you know, if she'd gone another way, she might have been drawn to the ship. Um, but, yeah, so that's that's the thing that I that I wonder about is like, are we uh, just like those scum did like that big attack on the ship? Was there were there you know multiple attacks like that at other places in the city that we're not aware of yet? Good question. Yeah, because like, I think so. Allard being there would. They have not yet, because you know we talked a little bit last week. You might have an interest in going to the, to the to see the standing stones. Uh, let's say they have not yet gone up to the standing stones. They don't really know the, the tie-ins so much because they were also blacked out when this was happening. But like there was no other evidence of a mass assault in the streets. Uh, there wasn't. We, besides the been, ones you would were it have been reasonable with. to ask Stasi and Barnabas to go and gather information during those? Eight hours we were all in therapy or training or whatever we were doing. Well, I mean, that's also sending them away from the ship where they're in a storm. Yeah, I think maybe oh, not. Maybe day. not yet. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But that I think let's let's keep that as an option Stasi going forward. Is, uh, if we're like, hey, silence. let's send the backups to do this diplomacy check. <laughs> oh, sure. If Stasi can get a look at the Eldritch projection, she might be able to tell us a lot more about it <laughs> than anybody else has so yeah. far. Yeah. Speaking of backups and our um, unloading of some of the stuff that we had in the uh, bag of holding and the yeah. handy haversack, I want to make sure that like all of our backup buddies have any extra armor that we had. Yeah. That like the like weapons and stuff have been distributed so that other people have options of stuff to use. Yeah, and so like Robert, we were talking about this Masterwork Silver Dagger that Grip might have in the bag of holding as a backup in case of an extreme circumstance. Maybe that actually goes to Barnabas or whatever. We can figure that out uh, yeah. you know, between weeks, but I think yeah, so Johnny, we'll consider like anything Stasi useful really to the group. Daggers. Oh, yes, actually Stasi. But she, she also has gear. <laughs> Barnabas has nothing! Yeah. <laughs> he has a saber! <laughs> so... The assassins came out of the walls. Yeah, they have a way of clutching these holy symbols. When the first assassin whispered go, it was after very specifically grabbing the symbol of Haster and saying it. Mm-hmm. Something's going on with those symbols and what you experienced uh, that night. But did they, we, they did we take them? We they, did. 
Okay. Yeah, you have them. But they don't register as magic, do they? They do not radiate any magic. But were they were they radiating magic? Unknown. Do holy symbols radiate magic during the fight? Generally? You don't know. But I mean, like if the if something had been cast on them, like would that would that have still still been there, or would it have slowly bled away based on how long? I'll say, um, you know, whoever was detecting magic was Dabwick, I think. Yeah. Um, no trace of any lingering auras of magic that you know. Do holy symbols normally radiate magic? No. But they are a divine focus for spells. Correct. They are used in magic. But you would, yeah, so. Can I, don't I make a spellcraft check? I don't think or? even we even need to. I'll just say, yeah, probably something was being cast that targeted those holy symbols, not the holy symbols doing something. Uh, so something from somewhere else was some divine spell is probably temporarily in terms of making people walk out of these paintings. Yeah, quite possibly. You might just not have quite enough information yet, All but right. you're close. You're close. You could even find out today. I'll just say that. <laughs> there you, well, there you go. Um, how specifically? <laughs> tell us detailed instructions on how to. <laughs> So the psychometry visions. What did we what what did we learn out of those? Melison has a lot more power than I had thought yeah. that she did. Yeah, because she's like equal footing with everybody else. Yeah, and is she is she her own thing or is she dancing to someone else's commands? Or is she really Ariadne? That's come or back is she or really like Ariadne? A holding of Ariadne. I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, that sounds. Plausible. <laughs> so when um, I think who was it? Was it Dazi and Winter and Omari went to the estate the day that they got here? They did end up talking to Mellison, and Mellison was in full-on boss mode and was saying basically, "I now like I do not acknowledge the authority of." Which Ustrav sure sounds and, like something like that Ariadne might say. Quite possibly, or maybe somebody who's an underling to. But I think, you know, you would also, because it just, again, happened a matter of hours ago, the hag's words about... She took my... Ariadne. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not, you know, being here, but not being here, being close, but being far, that uh, it, you know, I... That's why I go, like, maybe she's, like, maybe she's, like, possessed at times, or, like, has something like that, where it's, like, she's being ridden. But not... But not truly there kind of thing, but like speaks with her voice. So I don't know. Sometimes I don't know. But you definitely would have got a sense that this, that Mellison, yes, Mellison's position of position in that household is not simply she's the housekeeper. No. Uh, Position of great authority seems to see herself as an equal or a greater than the rest of you. By housekeeper, you mean someone who owns this house. Right. Yeah, she is now. (laughs) Mrs. Danvers. That's the name I was trying to remember (laughs) last time. Right, right, right. God damn it! <laughs> um, the interesting part of the one of the one of the interesting parts of those psychometry readings for me was Tima saying, "If I don't make it back, mm-hmm. and Gulliver and Braden do, yeah." So, I mean, that could mean anything, but uh, the way I heard it the first time was they knew they were going somewhere, and I I think I voiced this a while ago that I had an uh, an inkling that maybe the loss of their memory was a deliberate act to try to still whatever is going on with Jamandur. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and, and that maybe that was what they were trying to cure. 
by going to Briarstone. Uh, I think they were probably betrayed by Lowell's and whatever they thought they were doing. That's my theory. But Tima thought they would come back. Ray and Ray said almost exactly the same thing yeah. to Melison. If something happens and I don't come back or I come back changed or wrong, then kill them all. How how long remind me how long was it between between those two scenes? Us, no, between us getting committed and the earthquake. Two days. Party was committed at Briarstone on 15 Lamashan and the earthquake happened on the 17th and then you woke up on the 24th. Which makes sense cuz like we have to get we get in, we get processed and stuff. Um, uh, what's her name? Gets Showers the, and sleeping. And we were, no, no. Cat, we were what's catatonic. Her name? Gets the, the Book of Nights and like reads through it and like and it's like, okay, I understand this thing. I've studied it. I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to do it tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. We were catatonic when we were checked in. So like, yeah. And, we and are, I think the, the, med- the records described basically if, as long as you were sort of directed, your bodies would kind of go on autopilot. Like, you mm-hmm. could walk on your own accord. You just you're couldn't make fugue. it short. Yes, you're in a feud. So we tried something, and we got double crossed. At least, at least all, well, at least at all, least, f- at least four of us. Well, at, at least we know that Tima and Ray were going to something voluntarily. Yes, and and Ray talked about. Uh, Obviously, the count was part was was going to these things as well. Uh, Ray said the count doesn't know what he's talking about. He has no clue what we're into here. Mm-hmm. He mentioned specifically the idol and the lake. Mm-hmm. That it can easily get a sense of like a quest or quests or travel or some kind of thing that they seem to have all been doing together and all have been paranoid that the others <laughs> were all going to betray them as part of what was happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that Mellison Mellison knew in general terms what you were doing, but wasn't in on the specifics, which kind of seemed to be maybe this is the way of that house. Everybody's cooking on their own little ways to whatever. Get to Carcosa, bring Carcosa here, do their thing, connect with Haster, connect with Jean, who knows. Um, but that everybody was plotting and planning. And we even found in that, um, the letter. Yeah, that there was like some sort of cat and mouse thing between. The two uh, of you. Rip and I. And that apparently. And apparently Roni. Roni found out that Ray had put a hit on the rest of the party. Which could be with Millicent or it could be some other hit. Unknown yet. Hmm. A little crunchy stuff about Ray that uh, came out in the psychometry reading. We saw Ray without his rotting status, his withering status, which is part of the Oracle class's mystery. Ray's withering was part of his life-giving power. So he didn't have that before whatever happened brought us... He was not an Oracle. He was not an Oracle. A matter of weeks ago. Hmm. And in the psychometry reading, he speaks of communing with the prince in chains. Oh, a very cleric thing to Knowledge religion? Anybody has that anymore? I can always roll it. Oh, man. Player Katie has it. Wow, I rolled it. Player Polly has it, too. <laughs> I got a five on that. 
Knowing clerics can commune is surely a DC 10. Anybody can make it, check. Right? Oh, sure, sure. I, so let me let me say this. I think what I'm what I was looking to have revealed here, which didn't quite get revealed, but I'll I'll come I'll come at it sideways and not reveal the thing, but still tell you a thing. I got a nine. Um, yes, obviously we're we're being being rewarded for falling forward. <laughs> yes, and in some way it's gonna well, totally it's, screw it's us. It's no fun if information doesn't come out, right? Yeah. So here's what we know: Ray was not an oracle a matter of weeks ago, but he was certainly a divine spellcaster capable of casting a fifth level yeah. spell, and that as we think back to the various nomikers that Ray gave Zan Thon way back in chapter two or whatever, the prince in chains was not one of them. Um, we know Zan Thon as the Midnight Lord, the Prince of Pain, uh, that whatever the prince in chains is, that may not actually be commuting with the god. Maybe it you know, could be uh, some servant of Zan Thon, you don't know, but with the five, Johnny, uh, they don't recognize that specific name. Oh, could he have been uh, like a sorcerer communing with like an extra dimensional? Could be. Extra planar creature? Could, could very well be. Because we, we don't necessarily, I, I don't specifically remember Ray as having a particularly high wisdom or willpower. Correct. So like he was very charismatic, but... <laughs> very charismatic. So... If and it he, matters, And I... she saw him flying which is totally something that a sorcerer would do. It is a thing that some sorcerers have been known to do. If it was a DC 10 thing you were looking at, I rolled an 11 with my minus one, that makes a 10, just <laughs> no. for a straight intelligence check. No. No. Okay. I would love to give it to grip, but no. <laughs> but we did also, I mean, speaking of things that we learned, and I, Paul hasn't had a chance to talk about this yet, we learned for fact that Ray, because of the blood reading, Ray was drawing divine power from Shailen yeah. the whole oh, time. Right. The whole time, she was actually the one giving him healing power. Even after he burned up his uh, his uh, headband. Apparently so. Hmm. Hmm. It takes more than one transgression to yes <laughs> sever a connection with a god who's chosen you. And you know the connection of we've talked about this you know when Ray was alive the connection of oracle to deity is different, different. than cleric to deity right it's like, not a worshipful relationship a quid pro quo relationship right yeah Shailen decided that she wanted Ray to have power Zoom. and so Ray could zoom and then that so just happens zooming. it doesn't get cut off because you broke the rules she can probably cut it off if she wants to but she didn't Regardless of what that phylactery was doing. And me. Certainly she could see the circumstances we were operating under. <laughs> I was curious, though, about the, like, being. do you keep the holy symbol of Zonkuthon? Like, then that that's where I think like, maybe things would have get com- gotten complicated. But also we know that Shailen feels a great yeah. sense of mercy and compassion for Zonkuthon. Yeah. They were very close. So let's talk about what options we do have available to us today. We've already mentioned Iris Hill and Fort Hill course. There's We're, also the Whaling House. There's the Whaling House. We've talked about the Standing Stones. Anything else on anybody's radar? Or should you want to pick some of those apart and figure out which order you want to take them in? Dora's very into information gathering. And it feels like the strongest options for information gathering at this moment are the, the Stella, where the people were gathering. We know that the ones on Gladios Hill, I think they ran like towards Highmart. Is that right? E, they were running basically in the like direction of the fort. fort. Oh, okay. Um, and the fort feels like a hub for the scum. 
we know we can handle scum. <laughs> Maybe not in droves, but... Uh, well, I mean, you handled I mean, they, they a they massive the, drove of them the other day. Not us. No. Uh, well, Dabwick. And, and there might be information about the other things that are going on if we can sort of free up Fort Halkors, which also feels like if we can take that a, a, a better base of operations for the party than a ship on the water with and a bunch of people we have to... Yeah, and maybe all those people, it. right? Yeah. That's the thing that, you know, if it hasn't been made crystal clear, a lot of so much of this outrage at Kessel is like yeah. we we could get almost the entire town up in inside. There. That's yeah. what these forts and these times they? are designed to do. That, that's to what Dora wants to know. Why hasn't she done that? Yeah, she's because either in cahoots with, with them. <laughs> it's chock full of scum. Yeah. Well, yeah. then let's go. So maybe swing by or Gladiolus, she's or she's dead, or she's working with them, or, she, or you know whatever. But like, Dora's pretty fixated on the fort right now. So maybe swing by Gladiolus Hill see if there's anything to be seen there and then move yeah. up to the fort from Yeah, if you there. want to see the stones, you could pass, I mean, Crocus yeah. is, is right where you are, basically. You just have to go up the hill. Yeah. You could pass Crocus, you could pass, pass Gladiolus, and you could get up to the... But Crocus is the one that failed to activate, thus aborting the ritual that tried to happen. Yeah. 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 And the other, the but third, you know, the you third do know one us, was where us. there does not appear to be a Stella at all. Exactly. Just Iris Hill, which maybe is built up around the Stella or something. Yeah. I it's think. like in the bowels of it. Yeah. Perhaps the entire mansion was built atop it. To yeah. hide the Just Stella. like poltergeist. But for the fort, like, how are we going to get in there? It's a fort. Well, we got we to gotta scout it out. All right. Yeah, the only way you know right now is the long underwater tunnel that the scum are using. Yeah. Which Before we go option. on this adventure, during the downtime, is it possible for Dabwick to make a, uh, to take 20 on a sense motive check towards uh, Roni? To take 20? No, there's consequences. You have to roll this. Yeah, yeah. right. So. What are, you, what, are you, what are you interested in I'm really, out? really only trying to see. Something's odd. Are we okay? Uh. <laughs> Gryffindor are like, yeah, why wouldn't you be okay? So everything seems great. Dadbook <laughs> is very sensitive to energy. I'm very sensitive. Yeah. And and I don't know. It's just something. I'm just going to take a guess. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny wants this to go yes. on forever. I don't want and it to go on forever. Will. I just want it to be. Although although I I find it fascinating that you all are like, Roni's being uh, no, totally normal. We have no clue. I, I was trying <laughs> we, to lead this into doing a lesser well. restoration on him. Oh, oh. F- oh well. physically... Dabwick knows what's going on. If you want to remove that last point of uh, charisma damage from from Roni, absolutely. Well, it but you don't understand that uh, the level of his paranoia. Yet. No, because I rolled a natural one. Oh, <laughs> here we that go. Sense motive check. So, so fantastic. Nothing known there, but um, <laughs> I'm going to cast a Lester restoration on you, uh, my friend. Hey, uh, friend, I uh, I really appreciate you wanting to help me out like that. That is very kind of you. But I think, you know, as a party, we should probably save that resource for if we get into a really bad fix. Right, Dora? I mean, what if Grip gets, you know, gets some of his strengths up down? We really need him. Or what if, Dora, what if you lost some of your intelligence? Okay, fair I mean, enough. Fair enough. What do you, what do you, you think, know, Right now, I'll heal in a, in a day or so. I'll be fine. All right. <laughs> it's your choice. Yeah. I'm just thinking about the party. Love it. 
I, I have no, I, I okay, that say, was can Dora make a sense about it right now because that, that was like some. sure very out of character uh, uh, I mean how low could you roll what could happen here Let's see well I got a natural 20 oh <gasps> so 29 okay something's up yeah um you <laughs> like because sense motive is not a supernatural ability right. I think all you would I think Dora would now clock something is a little Maybe it's worth keeping an eye on, yeah. but she does not know the nature of his madness yet. No, yeah. But yeah, I think there's no, there's no game reason for... I don't, I don't have an obvious one. <laughs> I'm not stroking the fox. No. I mean, it's not like you weren't without your paranoias to begin with. <laughs> That's Absolutely. She will pull Grip aside and, just say, and mention it. Okay. Keep an eye on Rooney. It's something odd about his interaction with Dabwick. I don't think it's quite right. All right. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm usually very observant about such things. I'll, I'll be sure to keep my fucking eye on my You have been known to find files that no one else could find. It's so uh, true, my uh, friend. That's true, I suppose. You have your moments. A broken clock is right twice a day. There we go. So funny. So as we head back into town, is Dabwick appearing as themselves, or is Dabwick going as a uh, small human, human or child? <laughs> Yeah, let's remember, Dadwick has access to... It's not a hat of disguise, but it may as well be. Right, it just, right. It takes, it take any form of... How is it How is it worded there, Paul? This cap of human guise. Uh, yeah. This worn leather cap allows the wearer to alter their appearance at will as a disguise self-spell, except they can only appear as a plain-dressed small human child, adult halfling, or adult gnome, such as a peasant, blacksmith, or shopkeeper. So... Good to know it's an option. Yeah. Um, I I've, guess nobody in town really knows Dabs beyond. Uh, yes. So Dabwick would have gone with Skywin in the early couple of days through town talking to folks, but like it's, but been, it's been quite some time. Maybe something that could, um, could show up as uh, Skywin could like be walking around looking like you can't take a specific. Oh, appearance okay, with him. got yeah. it. But it, it might be something that could help <laughs> somebody else. Someone else who is recognized frequently as we've moved through town. I don't fucking care who knows who I am or not. If that's what you're getting at. It was. <laughs> Good to know. It's an option. It's an option. <laughs> well, uh, right now, Dabwick sees no reason to hide themselves. Great. All right. No, do I. Oh, uh... Dora, I, I have on my sheet, and I want to make sure I give you at least one of these because you should have it. Because it would be very helpful if you run into another circumstance where you can't do much and uh, Yet another. get away. Is it marbles? It's marbles, right? <laughs> I have three potions of vanish, and I think that uh, you should take probably two of them because you are tray, tray squishy. I will, if you don't mind. So yeah. I'm going to take two of one those round, off. One round, though? Yeah, it's a tricky one. It only works for one round. You would probably put together that the reason why these rogues were holding them in their hand was so that if they had to use them, they wouldn't have to waste the entire turn getting it out and drinking it, by which point it's useless. So, yeah. But you could oftentimes, if we go into some situation, have one out and ready. Oh, yeah. I'm not complaining. yeah. Yeah. So One round of not being seen could be the difference. Yeah. Well, you know, if you can just simply get out of sight... And get out of the way. Yeah. yeah. So that was that was my thought. Love it. Oh, thank you. There was a Tanglefoot bag floating I around have that. too. You have that? Okay. Let me see. There was something else I wanted to bring up. Oh, 
we have a new spellcasting element to add into the mix here with Dabwick. Mm. So Dora is a spontaneous caster. Yes. In order to regain her spells, Dora has to sleep for eight solid hours, and then she gets all of her slots back and can use her power to cast any combination of spells that she knows. Dabwick is more like Roni in that Dabwick has to prepare a very specific list of spells, and those are the only ones that are available to them that day. But Dabwick, as an urban druid, needs to meditate for one hour around dusk every day to regain their spells. So sleep has nothing to do with it, but there is going to be this hour period in the early evening every night where Dabwick is going to have to stop and do this if they want to get their spells back for the day. So in some cases it might be useful because Dabwick will always be full up every night. Yeah. But But wait, so did that mean he doesn't have any spells from, because he used all the spells from last night because it's not dusk yet, right? uh, So, oh. Hmm. Hmm. He's got to yeah. re-prepare at dusk. Yeah, got to re-prepare at dusk. Right. Which, have- and, and we're starting off now, you know, at this point we've been talking, so it's now about 4.30. So actually, it's you know, there. It's, it's getting there. Late fall. Dabs could probably meditate now. And you'd um, be starting like just after nightfall. S- some In druids- which case I could use that lesser restoration now oh. and then meditate and get it back. Oh, yeah. So then it wouldn't be a waste too. of, uh, you know, Oh, resources. sanity damage. Uh, Grip is sitting on 10 points of sanity damage. Yes, that, that would oh. be an excellent use oh. of gear. Oh. lesser restoration that Roni apparently doesn't want. Like, like I said, like I, I think that, you know, in this case, it would probably be really better if it went to, uh, to Grip. <laughs> Does Dabwick have spells they can spontaneously cast by ditching another prepared spell? Yes. I have uh, domain spells. Oh, so it's not like the summoning school or the cure school? No, the way it works for dabs is uh, drop spells to cast their domain spell. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Because I think part of the urban dream What thing, is the flavor of like, those spells? Uh, uh, great. It's old portal, shield other, protection from energy. Hmm. Great. Shield, are, shield, you should read shield other out because it's, it's an yeah, interesting it's one. it's an interesting spell. Yeah, shield other, that's... Um, this spell wards the subject and creates a mystic connection between you and the subject so that some of its wounds are transferred to you. Sound familiar? Mm. Yep. Subject gains a plus one deflection bonus to AC and a plus one resistance bonus to saves. And then half the damage. Oh, yeah. And then half the damage from all wounds and attacks that deal it, damage, it point damage. The amount of damage not taken by the water creature is taken by you. Yeah, so a little, little bit of buffing for the other person and then Dabs takes half the damage they take. And you only have one domain? Yes. So since Roni refuses to be healed, do you want to give that lesser restoration to Grip before we head out? Yes. All right. Give me whatever means you wish to determine one or two points. Dora contemplates giving the Wand of Command to Maeve. (laughs) 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 But ultimately does not. What? She just enjoys it it so much. I mean, she already has Breton doing whatever she wants. I know, but now she could have multiple people. Uh, reducing the subject's ability score cures 1d4, so that's three points. Uh, 1d2 points of sanity damage. So you got on the oh. high end of your four-sided, that's fine. So two points of sanity damage down. Great. Great. Grip and Roni are tied at eight. Oh, boy. All right, you want to have a sanity off? <laughs> you want to brain wrestle? No, wait, I don't want to do that. No, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> no you do not want to do that. <laughs> okay, so then in the early period of night falling here, we leave the ship and head into town. It's our first night venture into town. 
Adorable cast mage armor. Done and done. Let's call it 5.30 when that starts. And and are we saying that I'm I'm just, it's okay for me to... You are now fully prepared. Fully prepared spells. Yep. Great. We make our way up to the top of Crocus Hill first, which is right there. At the top of the hill, you find the stone. The stone is doing more like what you saw the the stone on Gladiolus Hill doing the other day. Rather than simply shining, it's, it's actually very, very lightly glowing at this moment. And uh, dead at its base is indeed the scum with no mohawk fin who appeared to have essentially committed suicide by dropping on their trident while touching the stone. So you find the body of this scum like bleeding out, arms wrapped around the stone and the stone lightly glowing. So they had to bring sacrifices to the stone to, and the ship was so, let's see what's at the other one. So Dabwick has not yet detected magic on Mm. these. Is that something Dabwick wishes to do or you want to wait till you get to the other one? Uh, Let's wait till we get to the other one. Making our way through town, past the fish market, past the sleepless building. Everyone, everything is locked up and dark now. Or what time of day again? It's 5.30. Okay. P.M. P.M. Yes. You make your way up Gladiolus Hill for the first time to the stone atop there. Very different scene here. The stone is actually glowing. Not even faintly. It is visibly glowing. And there is a gaggle of corpses draped around its base. Four people, all with their throats slit, and then it appears as though their blood had been smeared all over the stone itself. The stone, in like the little cracks where the last of the rain didn't wash it away, you can see evidence that blood had been liberally splattered on this stone. Do we recognize any of the people? You do. Cassadia Rance. Oh. Emin Galston. There's a middle-aged human woman in white clerical robes, shoulder-length graying brown hair, sharp jaw, aquiline nose. Chulis Mavane, the priestess of the new chapel. Hmm. And an older human man, probably in his late 50s, in fancy robes of state, like a judge's or a chief administrator's. You would very quickly put together this is uh, Tillis Paget the former magistrate of Thrushmore. So four people ritually murdered around this now glowing stone. Cassadia, owner of the Sleepless Agency, former adventurer. Emin Galston, owner of the Stain, former merchant marine captain. Trillis Mavane, the priestess of the New Chapel, former adventurer. And Tillis Paget, magistrate of Thrushmore, former army colonel. So not just anybody's will do. You need some people that got some juice to them. It seems like, at, at least at this particular stone, uh, some sort of like so maybe they personal were juice for, was, was involved. For um, Captain Skywind. Could be. Yeah. Um, though, anybody oh. have s- uh, survival? Let's do that too. And then yeah. Were, were those the only bodies that were there? These are the only bodies that are here at this stone. Okay. Yes. And you would, you, so you know, these are a combination of people. You would probably assume timeline wise, Paget was kidnapped. You know, quite some time ago, maybe near the beginning, because nobody has seen him ever since this started. Mavane disappeared after the earthquake, so more recently. 
and then Cassadia Wrens just disappeared. And Emin Gulston just yeah, both of them just yesterday. Um, Emin was the stain owner. Yeah, yeah. What do we get for survival? Nineteen. Twenty-four. Oh, nice. Um, so in the mud left over from the storm, the two of you are easily able to find evidence of, like I mentioned, somewhere somewhere between probably 8 and 15, like around a dozen other people up here. You would see... People or scum? Well, you would, you would guess. Dabs is guessing maybe there were one to three scum in that midst and that the rest seemed to have been booted humanoids of a non-scum nature, <laughs> indeterminable at this point. Mm. Except that one of the, I'll give this to the, the, you had 24, did I recall? Yeah. yeah. So Dabs is, um, probably gets a little fixated on on the scum. I mean, that's, that's, that's their chief concern at the moment, the, right. the, the threat they understand. Uh, definitely more than one scum. And in fact, one of the scum seemed to be weirdly light like the the foot buoyant the, the same size as the other scum or other scum that were up there but like as if their weight was that of a child like their 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 webbed feet were barely imprinting the earth uh, no reference for what that might mean other than like mass wise something else was going on with this scum yeah very weird hmm. but we are now facing Another standing stone, this one glowing. Can we do what perception do? checks around to see if anybody dropped anything? Yes. Anything Please do. In the mud. Let me know if you get anything interesting. It's another 24 for Dabwick. 25 for Dora. 26 or 28 to find traps. I rolled to see if I got a natural 20. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> mm hmm. Roni has two thoughts. One, which is we should probably move these bodies, maybe take them back to the sleepless agency yeah. so they're not just out. Yeah. Um, and then my second thought is I'd forgotten we got that key off of Reese's body. Yeah. So we Might may be. want to go and just check out those bodies real quick and see if there was anything, if there was anything else that we might have missed in the very hurriedly sort of stripping them kind of thing. So for these perception checks, 26 from Roni... Roni is able to, like Roni's eyes in the in the falling of the light here tonight, catch a little glint off down the side of the hill, and it's it is fairly easy to determine from these the combo of these survival checks and perception checks that the path was directly back towards <laughs> Fort Hill course. They were not heading towards the High Mart. They were not heading towards Builders Hall. They were heading right towards the fort. Roni finds a discarded yellow sign, a discarded holy symbol of. Pastor. And Dora with her 25. So I'm picturing the story here. Like, Dora's now kind of keeping an eye on Roni. So, like, Dora's, Dora's looking around, but also watching Roni, sees Roni see this thing. And after this information from Dabs, Dora would link the footprints of this weirdly light scum to this dropped holy symbol of Haster. That whatever that thing was may have been the, the thing that let go of or left or dropped or lost track of or whatever this uh, simple faster. So it made them lighter <laughs> when they dropped it? How no, much the, does it weigh? No, the, the, the footprints <laughs> were the same were the same depth of impression before and after dropping the symbol. It's just that that is the thing that 
left something behind. The scum that we have fought, like, how big are they? About human size. And are they all kind of like beefy kind of thing? Yes, yeah. So this could be somebody that was human size but wasn't... I see what you're saying. Like, maybe someone very wasted and thin. Mm -hmm. Um, Dabuk would think that might not even account for what, what they're seeing here. Feels like this magic. Is, this is like that much. It lit. feels like a, like magic. Like like it weighs like a child, even though it's clearly the size of a full grown adult scum. Weird. Okay. Yeah, it, it does seem very like no logical explanation for this besides obviously something magical, or right. or that it has hollow bird like bones. Yes. Yes. Maybe it's just the shell of a scum if, <laughs> with if empty someone... air on the inside, filled with yellow fog. <laughs> it smells like cake. It smells like cake. <laughs> But like the the footprints themselves are not like child sized nope. or anything. No, they're no, regular they're size. Regular size. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Like an elf across the snow. <laughs> so we have the symbol. We have the stone. We have not examined uh, this particular stone, and we have not examined any stone. Oh, for at least a character. The tracks. Does uh, this does this symbol have psychic significance? No, it does not. De- oh. Devoid. Empty. As if somebody was disguised? Also odd, I imagine. Weirdly empty. Weirdly empty for a religious icon, yes. The tracks that you said uh, unmistakably go back to the fort, like to front gate of the fort, or to... You uh, might have to cross the hill and try to tr- follow them. You can just tell which direction they're heading when they left the top of the hill. Gotcha. Yeah. Wait. There are all those missing children. What do we know about scum again? They don't reproduce. Correct. They're just men. They're all men, and they can't reproduce. So, how like, do they once make more scum? how do they make more scum? Uh, they don't. So, like, once the scum are done, like they're just done. Yeah, the abolefs left X number of them, and now they're they're just, just slowly here. dwindling. Yeah, but they don't. You know, they don't die from. Natural causes. Right, right. They just right, live, right. they just live forever. I was trying to think about the. I know there's the whole thing of the missing children. If the like transformation. If they were yeah. If they were like doing something with children and transforming them. So there's no life finds a way miracle, like in Jurassic Park. Well, I mean, this is a world of magic and rituals, but uh, yeah, as far as you know, no. All right. Okay. Can Dabwick cast detect magic on the uh, Stella? Yeah. Oh. Then give me a spellcraft check. So Dabwick has the same immediate sense of very intense auras, conjuration and transmutation washing off of this thing. Hmm. Let's see if they can figure anything out about it. I rolled a five on the die and I, well, I probably failed this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did. I think so you're going to fit an 11. In, you're going to fit into this party just fine. Yeah. Dabwick as, is as overwhelmed and confused by what they're witnessing as Ray was. Give me those of you that are, uh, those of you that have it. So I think Doran, Roni, Knowledge Arcana. Natural 20. Okay, there we go. I'm going to connect a dot that Dora connects. So Dabwick talks about these auras of conjuration and transmutation. The conjuration school does a lot of very separate things. One of the things the conjuration school deals with is teleportation. Mm-hmm. And pondering this stone knowing that it can be used perhaps in teleportation pondering these people material materializing in midair seemingly out of Carcosa on the streets 
below you, all clutching these symbols of Haster. Dora is probably starting to put together that this may be the source of the magic that you witnessed the assassins using, and they were all doing it while holding or wearing these holy symbols. Does it seem spent now that the... It's glowing, so no, it does not seem spent. So, like, if we had the symbols, is there any way that we could power them up so that we could teleport inside the fortress? Do you want to put a holy symbol of Haster on and touch the stone? Not I, said Dabwick. Johnny's still thinking. I'm yeah, thinking. <laughs> yeah. Would that allow us to skip an entire book of the adventure if no. we were to maybe do that? You know, it might just take you to Carcosa. I'm going to try it. All right. So Roni puts on one of the unholy symbols of Haster. And a great eye. <laughs> Ships in uh. the universe. Reaches out, touches the star Stella. At first, it's it's a very identical experience to the other day where... It's like the buzzing. Yeah, it feels like electrically charged, mm-hmm. although this one feels even more powerfully so, and you actually get like a jolt mm-hmm. upon contact. I also mentioned that you were hearing faint and distant whispering, yes. and you described it as being sort of like a radio, like on an old radio, yeah. slightly off-channel. It is no longer off-channel. And Roni is flooded with an overwhelming flow of telepathic impressions and whispers. Give me a... Your choice. Knowledge Arcana or Knowledge Religion check. Oh, Knowledge Arcana. Oh! Natural one uh, for a ten. And it overpowering. And maybe this will... Yeah, I need a will save as well to check your status. Shocker. 18 plus one versus uh, supernatural abilities or spell of aberrations, uh, plus two if this is a charm effect. Roni experiences the electric jolt, is just overwhelmed with a rush of telepathic whispering that he's just about to understand and then the experience gets too much. Pull the hand off, realizing you can't make sense of it, and you get your hand off just in time to avoid taking any sanity damage at this time. Oh. But mechanically, Johnny and now the party understands that while wearing one, one can make a knowledge arcana or a religion check to uh, learn something from these whispers. I'll do it. We think it best. I, I almost got something. It was close. It was real close. Hand it over. Here's one of the other three. What are all the things that you said you were not going to do this book? Uh, read Chain of Knights, touch a standing stone, put on an unholy symbol of Haster. Lick the bathroom floor. I never said I wouldn't put on an unholy symbol I guess that's of Haster. True. I think it was implied. <laughs> but Oof. hey, you're um, a servant of Jamandor now. Yeah. I'm going to cast um, Burst of Insight to uh, if that's possible. Sure, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah. Already three spells down for the day. Um, okay. Dora puts the holy symbol on. Touches the stone, Touches the feels stone. the jolt, hears the whispers. Give me that arcana plus check. four to this check. 32. Oh, Sweet! That's a big number. All right. Nice. Give me your will save uh, for sanity as well before I... Does this happen simultaneously? Oh, it's just one It's just one thing. One I, chose, I chose intelligence. Natural one. Oh, 
Oh, man. Well, I mean, you opened yourself up to it. I was stunned, basically, so, like, you know, from the spell. Two points of sanity damage. Under your threshold, you've you've managed to take, I think, sanity damage three times since becoming dormant, and you still haven't taken enough to lose your dormancy, which is great. Okay, so you're now at five points of sanity damage. Feeling a little unhinged there, but that does not manage to damage you enough to bring back the delusion. However... While being bombarded with a endless stream of strange images and distant whispers, Dora is able to understand how to use this artifact at its current level of activation. Wow. There are two powers right now that Dora knows can be done with these first one is called City Stride. Anybody wearing an unholy symbol of Haster can touch one of these, step into it, and step out of any wall within long range of any of the other stones in this town that are currently active, as if sort of kind of like a dimension door sort of thing. A mural of of Carcosa will appear on any wall used for this manner of travel. This use expands expends two charges. So obviously these assassins were at one of these stones waiting for word, and then one at a time used this ability to step in and then step out onto the street right in front of you. Now because of the way this works, you... <laughs> you know you can land in a location that is within a certain distance as described by the person who's doing the ability from another stone or another wall they can visualize that is within range of one of these stones. (laughs) But of course, the typical dangers of doing any kind of teleportation when you don't know where you're going are that if you come up in a solid space, you're going to be taking a whole crap ton of damage and shunted somewhere who knows where. The other ability is called Sinister Whispers. This is fun. This has got a couple of different uses. So if you're wearing an unholy symbol of Haster, you can touch the stone and deliver a short whispered message, just like Dora's uh, message spell, to anyone or everyone wearing unholy symbols of Haster within long range of any of the other stones. They will all hear it, and they can all respond with a short message. This expends one charge. Alternatively... You can, that's sort of like sending mode. Receiving mode is you can wear an unholy symbol of Haster, lay your hand on the stone, and anyone else wearing an unholy symbol of Haster can whisper, and you can essentially turn on the receiver and pick up the message. So, woman's, you, you, Roni approaches the woman on the street. She says, go. All of them are touching the stone in receive mode. They hear her say go because they're all wearing these symbols and touching the stone. And then one by one, they stepped through the stone to a location near to where she was. And then the last, those, those uses expend one charge. And the, there is a use of Sinister Whispers that is two charges. And that is if two people are touching different stones while wearing these holy symbols, they can expend two charges of each stone to communicate telepathically for a minute to each other. You would understand that if a stone is depleted of all of its charges, it becomes inactive and can't be used until it is somehow activated again through a ritual that you do not yet understand or comprehend. 
you understand that charges are replenished through ritual sacrifice. If a sentient living creature is killed in the name of Haster while in contact with one of the Star Stella, uh, it gains a number of charges equal to one per hit die of the sacrificed victim. Mm. Mm. You know that this stone has 12 charges at the moment. So there's probably some combination of all of these high-level adventurers being sacrificed here gave it a certain number of charges. Whatever this botched ritual was probably used a whole bunch of those and what's left is 12 after all of that mess and the assassins teleporting yep and yep. all those things yeah uh, if they came from this one or if they came from yeah hard to say iris hill Dora so, removes the holy symbol of Hester. so two charges to do the teleportation uh one charge for the simple whisper uses and two charge for the uh, the communication use so we could use this to teleport inside fort halicorse Yes, you could, if you can, if we picture can, a location. Yeah, yes. if we can visualize it, or we could also use it to teleport into Iris Hill. We potentially could do that. Which someone I think has a pretty good visual uh, <laughs> reference. Yep. Of there that. are there are a number of rooms in that estate that Dora has seen with her oh, own wow. eyes in psychometry visions. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and when I cast the spell, do we? Oh, did wow. any yeah, of right, the- Katie. <laughs> if you decide you want to do some of this, we should talk through some of your yeah. thought components because <laughs> you could picture some of those locations too because I do know where they all are. Okay. Did any of the visions that, that you did of anything that Riptusk had, were any of them in Fort Halicorse or were they all outside on the streets? So. No, they were all out in the streets. And now having walked around the town for a few days, you would guess that probably down near the fish market, like somewhere in the cluster of houses in the center of town, like just north of the fish market on that map. You see where I'm, mm-hmm. yeah, like, like around, like oh, probably okay. somewhere yeah, up yeah. in here. But unlike those visions of Ray's past, which were happening in an entirely different location, you do know that the stuff with Grip was happening here in Thrushmore. Okay. Yeah, DC 25 Arcana check to interpret those whispers. So not not an easy check at this level. But, uh, yeah, you know what the Star Stella can do at this particular level of activation. You do know that they are still not fully activated. And also, anytime we touch it, we have to make a sanity save. Um, no. no. It's, the sanity save was to understand the instructions of use. It was like to oh, okay. read the instruction manual. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so then just touching it and going in, you're not necessarily losing book, sanity from crazy. that. Right. You'll, you'll hear the whispers, but it'll be so quick that you won't be. Got it. Trying to parse them. I think we should scout out Fort Halecourse. Agreed. Yeah. Continuing on over to the fort. Fine. We have access to invisibility. Mm-hmm. Should we try to get a little closer and then, closer. and then uh, go invisible? It's three minutes, so. I mean, that's still a pretty long chunk of time. Yes, I think we should use the invisibility to scout. All right. It's easy enough to make our way down Gladiolus Hill, back behind all of the shops at the High Mart, past a couple more uh, farmsteads right there near the edge of town, make our way up this hill upon which sits Fort Halecourse. As you would probably imagine, the area is wooded, so there's lots of tree cover up until you get like you know, a couple hundred yards from 
the actual fort itself, which has then been completely cleared of all trees, so it's an open approach to the fort. The fort itself, the main area, is a walled fort about 20 feet high with five round towers and a central tower uh, dungeon reaching a height of about 40 feet. There's only one door in, a set of 10-foot-high double doors on the south side of the building with the brass door knockers and a couple of spy holes. You see arrow slits all around. It's dark. It's dark. It's dark. But you can see the shapes of what looks to be two soldiers, like a couple of human-looking guys wearing leather armor with full-face-covering helmets patrolling the walls of the fort with long bows in hand, and they are also clearly armed with long swords. Let me take you to a map. You see Roni drink an extract, and then all of a sudden it seems as though he's able to move more easily in the darkness. Yeah, so I think like at the moment, we're still kind of in twilight. So there's dim light for everybody else. You can clearly make out these shapes and shadows, but you, <laughs> since there's no lights in, anywhere inside the building, you can guess it's going to be very dark in there. Dabba, can you see in the dark? Uh, nope. So you're now at the, at the very center bottom of this map. Why don't you take your tokens and walk around the outside of this building so you can get a sense of its shape? Because the, the line of sight is super fun on these maps, but it doesn't help you see the shape of things. So, again, the majority of the thing seems to be about 20 feet tall and seems to consist of a walkway around which these two guards are patrolling. So, like, here to here, to here, to here, to here. So you would guess the two-thirds of this structure is probably a tall walkway around an open courtyard. Mm -hmm. Based on where you're seeing those guards walk, it doesn't look like that's one huge, massive roofed space, but they're probably walking around an open space, which, you know, you would know the construction of these kind of medieval forts, like usually there is the whole center is open so you can get the whole town in there in case of dire emergency. There's these five towers, which are clearly two very tall stories high, and you can see evidence of uh, ballista atop of them. Uh, that was the western two-thirds. The eastern third, the area over where I'm pinging here, you would guess is uh, where the enclosed part of the structure is. There are some on the far eastern wall. There's this curved space that has a series of stained glass uh, windows on it that are covered in bars and a whole bunch of arrow slits into the first floor indicating that there is there are rooms on the inside there. And then this back area over here, you see this little quadrant kind of in the top of the eastern third of this is this dungeon. So this uh, uh, equally tall tower that extends up a couple of stories. And you can see that there is a wooden staircase presumably going from the walkway the sentries are patrolling up to a top level of that that you can visualize. Only one way in from the outside here, which are these double doors down on the bottom. So that's what you're able to easily determine from a distance, getting a check on it. And then I know you all probably want to make some perception checks, see if you notice anything else. I just want to make sure from outside we can see like uh, an outside wall that's inside the 
the part of the fort that's like up on the donjon. You can see... Like the staircase, there would be a wall there where someone could teleport out of and just be like, I'm on the staircase now. For sure, yes. Great. 100%. That would put you, what you would guess, on the top of the roof of that eastern third that is building. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Great. And give me some perception checks. Let me know if anybody gets anything interesting. Hmm. Tabak got a 28. Oh, nice, Tabs. All right. I got a 19. Okay, so in addition to what has been described, Dabwick's keen eyes pick out... Okay, so we see sign of two guards in armor, full helmets, patrolling the outside uh, of the second floor. Dabwick's eyes pick out through some of the arrow slits in several of the towers are on the second floor level. Dabuk occasionally sees little flashes of movement or motion as though three of the towers probably have sentries also looking out the arrow slits. So it looks as though there are probably stationary sentries on the second floor with a view out to the more common approaches to the building, and then these mobile sentries, two of them that you can see right now on the second floor there. What do we think? I still think if we want to get in, we go back to the Standing Stone and drain it. Endura. Yeah, and Dora would also understand that, you know, by by draining any one of the stones, that like that limits the range of possible potential teleportation because that's that's one point from which long range teleportation cannot be centered off of. So if you kill one stone, like you drain the charges, like they yeah. they can't use it to teleport her message from as well. Um, the faint glow at the other one, mm-hmm. does that indicate fewer charges? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a good plan. You want to pick a spot? Uh, I think I think based on what we were able to see, like the idea that we pop out on the on the tower, on the stairs. Invisible? You know, invisible. <laughs> and then if we make a plan, does anybody have anything that could be used to clean the wall so that it's not as obvious immediately that we were there? Because it's going to show up with a chalk drawing. Oh, the size of these drawings? Yeah, it's oh. not going to do Not going to happen. And the, the rain still hasn't even fully scrubbed like, oh. a whole storm all overnight. Okay. Oh, well, I mean, you've got some chemicals. Well, I mean, it's I a get, lot of work. I guess that's a question. Like, They're are big. there are there obvious ones like that that are that are visible to us? Or are we able to see any place where someone has already teleported into? No. Okay. That's a great question. <laughs> Bit of a yeah. drawback on teleporting from the standing stone. So they so they know. Well, I mean, it's still better than eating a bunch of arrows on the way no, trying I to get in. No, I completely agree. But um, they'll totally know. Somebody's there. there. You can also swim through have... the secret tun underwater tunnel. You keep that pushing have, the, that the we have to sewer find. tunnel. <laughs> Only, I, I just think it's fun that Dora had that mental image, right? She detects yeah. detect thoughts. I'm like, well, there's almost no way any party would ever know that that ever even exists, except like, oh. Is it worth investigating? Do you have a way of, of swimming underwater while holding your breath? Like, you know. Do we know that that's what it multiple? is? Oh, it's entirely underwater. Entirely underwater. Well, yeah. fuck that. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. So I'm concerned that if we teleport in, um, leave a big mural on the wall, uh, have limited invisibility, that we need to know where we're going at that point. But we don't know what the inside of the fort looks like. Are you suggesting that I teleport in and invisibly and then Ugh. make my way out? I don't like the sound of that. I hate that. <laughs> um, I think we are. 
suggesting that. I love this. <laughs> because I could also do the thing of like doing that and then be like, go, telling you go to follow. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's eight charges to teleport, right? Two each. We're not all going at once. Correct. Uh, and then it would be... One, two, three. And it would it would always be in successive rounds as well. Right. right. The stone itself can only do one of those things so once per round. So we're talking about four murals, not No, it just gets bigger. Mural. Yeah, it probably would just reinforce the one mural. If you're coming, if you're going to like exactly, the, if you like, okay, that's where we're going. Yeah, you would guess it would be one mural. It's very thick chalk. I mean, I still think it's. Mm, I'm seeing a thing on the map that I think might be of interest to you, based on this cons- one of these concerns here. So, if you picture the donjon tower, mm-hmm. the south side of that tower on the second floor is where you see the stairs going up from the roof of the first floor to the second floor or to the top of this tower. Mm -hmm. Around the north side of it, there is a five-foot walkway, so the battlements continue around the outside. So there is that like 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, whatever foot stretch where there is just tall tower wall with battlement around it facing away from the inside of the keep. Uh, so as you bring up this, like, holy shit, there's going to be a big mural visible. Like, that's there is one chunk that, uh, you know, is as far out of the way as you can imagine in this <laughs> circumstance. Um, it can still be seen from the battlements, but unless someone, someone would have to walk out onto the battlements around it. Which okay. is not where these guys are currently patrolling. They are not currently patrolling outside there. Well, then that's where we're going to go. And how do we get in from the from there? You would have to walk around the corner, and then presumably there are access to the doors and stairs there. I mean, that seems great. Yeah. Yep. Let's do it. And then that'll be something to hit. (laughs) Let's do it. Oh, uh, I can't wait to find out how many and which parties, like if this is a way that, because that is not an easy, like that DC 25 Arcana check. Like, I don't know if parties typically figure out how to use the stones or not. Um, This is not... This is not how the adventure assumes the party enters the game, so this is fun. Interesting. This is fun. Will they all get water-breathing spells? <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe so. But they again, all, I don't think people know about that either. They all go buddy-buddy with the scum and go, let's go swim. Just go bang on the knockers. Well, they, they let themselves get captured. <laughs> so the plan is you go back over to Gladiolus Hill. Dora will message you all up. Gull casts invisibility on everybody and then steps through himself first. Yep. Okay. Good. Yeah, I don't. I don't see. That seems like the absolute best possible thing. And I will not have my uh, alchemical torch out since that makes so, so much, much noise. noise. Yeah, and we know that um, noise draws the projection. Too. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Great. So we gather up at the top of Gladiolus Hill around the sacrificial stone. Message ourselves up. Invisible ourselves up. Amazing. Roni puts on an unholy symbol of Haster extends a hand and touches it, steps into the stone, and that's the end of Chapter 52. We'll pick up the infiltration of the keep next time. Good guat. Amazing. Amazing.
Okay, let the meat grinder begin. Dark Nexus is a creation of Plug and Hum Productions. This podcast uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Incorporated, which are used under Paizo's community use policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. This podcast is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo Inc. For more information about Paizo's community use policy, please visit paizo.com slash community use. And for more information about Paizo and Paizo products, please visit paizo.com. That's P-A-I-Z-O dot com. Dark Nexus uses music and soundscapes by Sirenscape. Check them out at sirenscape.com. That's S-Y-R-I-N-S-C-A-P-E dot com. Opening and closing themes along with additional music composed by Rob Kozlarik. Artwork for Dark Nexus is by Matt Walquist. Special thanks to Toy, without whose generosity this project would not have been possible. And thanks to DMCP, Richard and Ari, Paul and Shannon, Chris, Scotty, Jason, Jess, Joe, Chelsea, Matt, Dave, Darren, and everyone we've gamed with over the years for all the memories and inspiration. WTPK. Oh. <laughs> Brilliant. Love it. Two tags. Season good. two tag. <laughs>